welcome to another episode of the Get Back Coach, presented by Apollo Media. A lot to get into today. We had an amazing week of college football. We have a great slate coming up this week for uh, week eight. But Jay, you uh, went to Knoxville this week, so that's where we're going to start. Jay, I know the game did not end like you and myself. I had I had Aggies plus three. Um, did not end the way you wanted it to. But how was your time in Knoxville? I had an absolute blast. Uh, I mean, I had a wonderful time. Uh, honestly, the Tennessee fans were great to us the whole time. Uh, treated us incredibly. Uh, you know, there's one or two students that are knuckleheads that always happens but like everyone was inviting us into their tents you know offering us food offering us drink uh the weather was fantastic you know neeland uh was electric it was i mean they checkered the stadium it was incredible uh i i just i can't help but feel spoiled right that's uh the third stadium this year i've been to where it's been a, a packed house and, and over a hundred thousand people in attendance for a college football game and <clears throat> i mean hearing the whole crowd as much as it sucks knowing why uh hearing the whole crowd singing rocky top is is just awesome uh, and i mean i i have nothing but positive things to say about knoxville i had a fantastic time uh and I definitely want to go back at some point. Uh, again, just what a what an electric environment. Uh, now, I guess the one complaint I do have is that the uh, the areas outside of the stadium, kind of like uh, I, I'm blanking on the word. Uh, the I almost called it a foyer, but that's not right. Uh, a garage no no uh like still like in the stadium but on outside of the bowl uh you know what i'm talking about yeah the concourse is the concourse is uh, a little bit rough uh, a little bit narrow there Mm -hmm. uh oh yeah other other than that i mean it's it's a great time uh and i'm not gonna get nitpicky with that because again the environment inside of neeland is is electric and uh we were treated fantastically so I, I have nothing but good things to say about Knoxville. Did you go out the night before? No, I did not. Uh, we drove from like DFW to Knoxville. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't get into like 10 at night and we just decided that we were going to shoot our, uh, shoot all our bullets at the, uh, at the tailgate on Saturday. And uh, we did that. <laughs> did you, did you go anywhere after? No, we went no. right back to the hotel and, and okay. got cookout went to sleep. Oh, cookout. God, I miss cookout. I want it so bad. A little cheer um, one float. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Knoxville is Tennessee is definitely a place that any college football fan needs to visit. Um, when I went years ago, they were going through uh who just got fired? Butch Jones just got fired. So it was actually the Brady Hoke, the first Brady Hoke game, and it was it's a stadium that even when they were bad, it was at night and you could still feel like, okay, like these people are still, you know, are still bringing it. So that was, that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, they, they have a nice little like downtown too. 
Like, yeah, and I, I wish we would have had more time. It just kind of didn't work out for this trip. Uh, but we got our fill of the tailgate, so I'm no. not too upset about it. Where'd you pa- where'd you guys park? Or like, uh, where'd you tailgate? So we, we tailgated at Circle Park. So, so that's we're not- where everyone says. Where is that? Uh, it is like just west of the stadium. Mm-hmm. Like there's like a little hill that you go up and, and uh, it's it's there. And I mean, that's the other thing, too, is there, it's a very hilly campus. So uh, if you go, be prepared to walk and, uh, you know, have have to deal with some topography. But uh, it, it's uh, yeah. Circle Park is not far from Neyland. I mean, it, it was probably like a five minute walk to the to the stadium afterwards. Because that's the thing. When we went, we just had um we were like by a couple RVs by the softball field and we were kind of isolated a little bit. Um, so did you get on a boat? I did not get on a boat. Uh, mm. I, I thought about making an attempt, but honestly, like we just started getting after it as soon as we got to the circle <laughs> park tailgate and that plane went out the window in a hurry. Cause uh, I was just focused on the revelry. <laughs> right. Um, so Tennessee, great atmosphere. Um, again, one of the best places to see a football game. Rocky top is special. Like that is a, that is a special song, especially when all those people are singing it in unison. Um, again, just one of the great things of college football. Now, Jay, um, we're going to go, we're not going to go chronological in chronological order. We're going to talk about a and M right out of the gate. Um, early lead. We had an early lead. However, lost this one in the, the second half. Um, the Texas A&M's offense didn't seem like they were clicking in the second half. Uh, what did you see when while you were there? Yeah, uh, listen, the offensive line play is, is the thing that's costing A&M right now. Uh, and I think you can see now why Wegman was the starter is he was a lot quicker with his release than Max Johnson. And I mean, this isn't a knock on Max either, just because he should have more protection than he's getting. But it's it's offensive line lack of adjustments. Uh, this is the second straight game where AM goes into halftime with a lead and just feels like they don't make any kind of adjustments coming out. And, you know, the opponent's able to adapt and, and, take over immediately uh the thing i'll say is i mean this was still another great defensive performance from a and m yeah it you know one of those touchdowns is a punt return right so you look at it and the defense really gives up 13 points and you know that should be enough to win theoretically in in, in the modern day and age but uh special teams and offense just aren't there right now and uh if you're losing in two phases of the game, uh, you're not going to win games. You, you have to have at least two of the three. And uh, A&M is suffering in both special teams and offense and uh, just not making adjustments to get better. And, you know, it's going to be tough. Uh, a lot of challenging things left on the schedule. Uh, obviously, you have road games at Ole Miss and, and LSU, and now you're looking at a ceiling of seven and five. And uh, I, I just think that, you know, a lot of AM fans are, are not necessarily happy with uh, the position they're in right now. Can't say that I blame them. Uh, so we will see uh, how the rest of the season shakes out. But uh, I think uh, the seat in college station is getting a little bit hot. Oh, yeah. It's it's definitely getting hot. 
Um, I mean, you lose Alabama, you lose Alabama, not great. I know Tennessee is on the road, but I just feel like they have, it's like they have it, but it's very issue, right? The talent is there and you're not winning with the talent. Not Uh, taking advantage. You look at like, yeah, yeah. you look at like, and I realize this isn't the be all end all and you have to develop players, but uh, if you look at like composite talent rankings, A&M's top five in the country on most of them, uh, as far as bringing in really highly rated re- recruiting classes. Uh, that's all well and good, but if you're not winning with it, uh, what does it matter, right? Mm. It's not taking advantage of opportunities that are presented, I feel like. Um, now, Jay, I do want to ask you this question. You you played at a much higher level of football than me, but what does – and because the big knock on um, on Jimbo Fisher right now is his second half adjustments or lack thereof. Um, now, if you talk to Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning believes or made the comment that second half adjustments are not a thing. Um, do you have a rebuttal to that? Because do you believe second half adjustments are a huge deal and are is something that is important or is it something that is a kind of it's said it's a thing, but it's like not really there. Like, no adjustments are a thing for sure. Uh, And that's in any sport, any sport you have to make adjustments on the fly because of either personnel. I mean, you could have injuries, you could have, uh, you know, something that they come out with a game plan that you didn't expect and you have to change on the fly to that. I liken it to like, a UFC fight, right? Like if you don't make adjustments in a fight and and just let people hit the same thing over and over again, you're going to get knocked out. It's the same thing as a football game. If you don't make adjustments to what they're having success with, they're going to hit the play again and again and again. So, I mean, I get like you have to have a game plan going into it and and that's what you're going to build off of. But making adjustments at halftime is a huge part of the game. Uh, and it can win you or lose you, uh, a contest. I mean, it's, there's not a world to me where you don't make adjustments at halftime. And I mean, I get what he may be saying there. Uh, I just disagree wholeheartedly. Yeah. No. And that's, that's the answer that I, I thought I would get because that's the answer that I have experience with as well. Um, and and for those of you who don't know, Peyton Manning made that comment uh, last year, and he said um, people think there's second half adjustments and there isn't. Again, that's in the NFL. Maybe he's right, um, but when you're dealing with college with with college athletes, um, you're gonna want to make adjustments. Um, you know, and we've. We've seen it in games before, and I think that is the most frustrating portion of AM is that the second or sorry, the first half is the best the offense is gonna look. And then, or Jay, it might be something like this of not anticipating what the defense is going to do next. Okay, yeah. hey, we've had some success with this. Let's keep doing it, but not a hey, this is what they're probably going to do next. And this is the variation we're going to have coming up, coming off of it. Yeah, it's it's going back to the the UFC analogy where mm. you pick up on somebody's tendencies and then you can counter off of those tendencies where maybe, you know, 
there are little things that you can see in game that you don't see on film that the guy across from you you know signals may have changed think there are any number of factors that can go into uh you, you see a change during the game that you may not catch on film uh, and that's why you have adjustments so it, it, it's again i i think the adjustments failed i also think that like Anum struggles when they get off script right and and that's part of why they're better in the first half as well is because that that first drive AM usually has a, a script that that does a good job of masking their struggles on the offensive line uh but from there it's teams are able to adapt to AM and AM is not able to adapt to what teams are doing and it is a huge disadvantage that AM's offensive line isn't playing well right now you can only mask it for so long and i think a lot of times in the second half that's when poor offensive line play i think really shows because you're worn down (laughs) they're seeing the you know defense coordinators are seeing what they're having success with they're going to then start exploiting um those successes so I, i do think that poor offensive line play definitely kind of um puts puts them on a crutch and also i mean again max johnson for a backup quarterback he's a good backup quarterback but he's still your backup and i think that a&m struggles on offense right now are not good but yes uh from what you said before things are definitely hitting or heating up for for jimbo right now yeah uh i mean we'll see right like i just think that for better or worse, this uh, this group of boosters and the egos involved are not going to be satisfied with seven and five, uh, and and really the the buyout isn't that much of an issue for them. Uh, but we'll, we'll see how the uh, the end of the season shakes off and, and shakes out and, and move from there. Okay. Uh, so let's uh, go back in time for week seven to Tuesday. A little bit of Sun Belt East action, one of the most exciting divisions in college football in my opinion yeah. uh coastal app state two teams that hate each other uh coastal gets the win and uh you know it was a very upset crowd in in, in kid brewer but they did have another incredible electric environment there uh i think boone north carolina is a place that we both agree that we want to go see a game at <laughs> oh my god yeah absolutely i mean the rock as they call it is it's one of the best atmosphere it is it's it's one of the the best atmospheres in sports um and when they're playing night games or even a high profile like noon game that place is rocking man and hostile like i've seen videos of their fans like screaming at players screaming at opposing fans like that's that is a rough place to be they had their 10th straight over capacity crowd um, at Kid Brewer, um, it's it's sh- it shows that uh, I'm trying to think of the best words here. It shows teams that are making the jump to FCS that this is possible, that you can jump up and have a successful football program and be in the national eye. Like, again, I, I, and I think I said this on last week's podcast or two podcasts ago, but you know, um, Appalachian State was a punchline. It was a punchline. It was, oh, who do you play week one? Oh, App- Appalachian State. 
because yes, it's a funny name and, and they were, they were FCS for a while, but over the last, you know, 15 <laughs> years, app state is not a punchline. Like if you're a top tier team and, and say, Oh, we have to play app state Appalachian state. You're like, Oh man, like that's, that's going to be a tough game. You know, I know Ever you're, since that Michigan game. <laughs> yeah, well, I know, like, I mean, but they took, they beat Michigan. They took Tennessee to the wire. They took Penn State to overtime. Um, they North beat, Carolina, and, they play tough every year. Every year they play tough. They beat North Carolina one year. Um, you know, A&M had their sh- struggles with them last year. Like, App State. <laughs> had their is struggles good. is putting it nicely. Well, yeah. App State is a football program that, is no longer a punchline. I mean, it might be the, well, no, that's not true. But out of all of the jokes in Adam Sandler's longest yard, this is one that doesn't age well. I mean, there's a bunch of them that don't age well in that movie, but this one right there does not age very well with him saying, Oh yeah, we had to have a tune up game. Like week one, we play like Appalachian state. Yeah. Does does not age very well. Now this game in particular, um, man, Coastal controlled most of this game, and then you felt App State it was going to turn, and it looked like it was going to big, huge pass, um, runs down the field, and then he coughs the ball up. Coastal Carolina comes down, kicks field goal. Um, this is. Coastal's a good team. Coastal's another team, man. You come up from the FCS, and now this, you know, Coastal is also a team that's kind of spreading its wings a little bit and showing that, hey, like, we're we're pretty good too. Um, but, Jay, this is such a good rivalry, man. This is such a good rivalry. Um, and, and another game to kind of add to that as well. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh Man, I, I love this midweek action too. Just like having football every day of the week is mm-hmm. is great. Uh, so we go from Tuesday to Thursday, and uh, uh, man, I think we were both on West Virginia here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought the game was over. Uh, I switched back to the Phillies. I, I thought this game was over, and then all of a sudden, I realized that. Houston has a Hail Mary, and I mean, what what an incredible finish to this game. Because, first of all, Mount Air score with 12 seconds to go. It's fourth and long. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a ridiculous play to score. Uh, can, I, can I say something? I'm not a fan of unsportsmanlike conduct penalties when it's this late in the game. Yep. Like, Same. if you have a big moment like that. I mean, he took, takes- his, he, he took his helmet off on the field. I think it I is. Just, I just, uh, I, I get that that's the rule, but man, I just—it's very cut and yeah, it's it's, and I think the bad part about that is it's so black and white. Like this isn't like was a Jake Locker a couple like years ago where they missed a, an extra point because he get into the end zone and he threw the ball in the air. Like that was ridiculous. Like I understand, you know, Garrett Green, he. It's very black and white. Oh, he took his helmet off on the field. Like I get it, but oh man! So the Phillies are on, and it's commercial. So I go back to West Virginia and I watch them score. I'm like, oh my god, this is awesome! 
like they scored. And I flipped back to the Phillies. I was like, okay, this one's over. 12 seconds. There's no way. And then I, I guess, I don't know if I like, I didn't realize there was a penalty or something like that. Or I mean, it was maybe when I flipped back to see if the Phillies came back on, but anyway, saw they scored. I was like, okay, awesome. Went back to the Phillies. I'm checking my phone. And then I'm like, and then I'm scrolling through. I'm like, Whoa, Houston. No, it can't be I'm like, no. And then I saw Houston scored on a hail Mary. Again, they got that field position because of the unsportsmanlike conduct and, I mean, man, that's that's a tough one for West Virginia. Uh, old coach Dana Holgerson, you know, when Dana was there, made the comment about you can't win with kids from, you know, you can't win with just in-state kids. And if you look on that West Virginia team, man, it's all in-staters for the most part. It's a lot of in-state guys. And, um, you know, they did struggle on, on defense a little bit. But this was the coming out party for Garrett Green. Garrett Green looked great. And if that Garrett Green shows up the rest of the year, West Virginia has a really good shot to get to eight or nine wins. And I think if they get to eight wins this year, I think Neil Brown saves his job. But I think it's going to be a, hey, you have a short-term contract type deal. Hey, you're here for a little bit, but you got to get us a little bit more. But um, fantastic game. It's it's just an absolute heartbreaker that um, West Virginia lost this one. And I just want to yeah. also say, Jay, that same night um, is the night the Phillies clinched. Um, my old roommate in Morgantown, West Virginia grad and Braves fan because he's from Atlanta. Oh, du- double, double whammy, double whammy on the same night. He uh, he was definitely he was definitely not a happy person, but. I don't know. Where do you think West Virginia goes the rest of the way here, Jay? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of available wins there on the schedule. Obviously, OU is probably a loss, uh, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of their games are winnable. We'll see. I mean, it, it should still be a uh, a team that makes some noise, and and I think an eight win season is good is good for mm-hmm. West Virginia here. But uh, you know, it, it's there's so many variables. If they can get healthy, I think they're going to be a real problem. That's the problem. That's the problem right now. They're banged up right now. They 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 just came out of a bye week and then they go into play and then they're they're banged up already. So that that is a problem for them. I, I believe in the I again I was a I said a lot of bad things about the Mountaineers over the summer. Um and I, I think with how they play, if they can just tighten up that secondary, I, I, I think this is a team that can definitely get to eight wins, which was Dana's last year there, which they were supposed to win a Big 12 title, they only went eight and four. So, um, just saying. Um, let's move to Friday. This is another one I fell asleep for. I went to bed. Yeah, I went to bed. <laughs> I woke up and then I watched the condensed version of this game. Stanford wins a miraculous comeback, 46-43 in double overtime. Colorado, 17 penalties. Travis Hunter has a, a huge extending um, a huge unsportsmanlike conduct to extend a Stanford drive that ends up uh, at the time you think, okay, does this one really matter? Um, but it does, it does. Um, so Jay, Colorado has a gauntlet coming up. Yep, and I don't think people realize it. So they're four and three right now. 
But this, I, I, I watched half of this game, and then I didn't believe the score. I thought it was a, bu- it had to be a bug, because there's no way that same team, that same Stanford team, beat them. And you know, um, oh man, what's was uh, their uh, their receiver? All no, not Almanar. Almire, Almire. I think it was like Almire. I Almanar. 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 Dude, he was incredible. He had two like. 13 catches, 294 yards, three touchdowns. Yeah, and two of those two of those touchdowns were uh, absolutely uh, amazing. Yeah. I, I still can't believe he he caught that pass on Travis Hunter's head, literally on his head. Trapped the ball on his head. David um, Tyree style. Yeah, it literally yes. Yes. And then drug him into the end zone. Um So, I got to ask you. Dion makes comments about I have a bunch of guys that like football. They got to figure out if they love football. They don't love football enough. Um, and then talking about how he loves football. Um, you have any any comments on it? Well, I mean, they better love football because you have uh, at UCLA against Oregon State at home at, uh, against Arizona, who looks really good at Washington State. That's always a tough place to play. And at Utah to close out the season. Uh, those are going to be games where you need people that love football because none of those are easy games, and you got to win at least two of them to get to double eligibility. And and they play a style. All those teams, besides for maybe UC, besides UCLA, they play a physical brand of football. Oregon State, and I know Utah's offense isn't great right now, but Oregon State and Utah are physical. They are a physical. Phys, they are physical teams. Um, uh, here's the, here's the comments with Dion. I know what Dion's saying. I know, I under, I understand completely what Dion is saying about like you, you have a bunch of guys who like football that don't love football that probably that maybe don't love to do those little things that are very hard. And I know that's the message he's trying to come across. However, you know, him and a player kind of, Getting a little ch- not not chippy chippy. The player looked like he was talking back to him on the sideline. Not a good look. I think I would have. Again, Dion is good for business. If I think I was Dion, I'd kind of be like, "Hey, like, I think there needed to be a little bit more accountability on him and the coaches." Yeah, and I, and I think if because you lose a game like that. I, I think you have to say that you have to say, Hey, we didn't do what we needed to do. And again, I'm not saying he's finger pointing, but, uh, and I under, totally understand what he's saying, but listen, this, the raw, raw stuff Dion was doing. I said it in the beginning of the year, man, that's great. When you're winning, you got to know how to lose. You have to know how to lose. So, um, I don't know if they're going to figure it out, but if they end this year without going to a bowl game with how this season started, I think it's a major disappointment. But if they end the year five and seven, Colorado has already made such there. There's already a huge improvement for Colorado five and seven in the beginning of the year. If you said, Hey, they go five and seven. You're like, okay, like they're taking steps forward. And I think they're still going to take those steps forward. But, um, I don't know. I, I just think you got to learn how to lose sometimes. 
Yeah, I don't disagree with you, and uh, they also got to get better in the trenches. Uh, but man, it was a wild week of football. The fact that we like we're not even to the weekend yet, and we've already seen three incredible games. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we go into Saturday. Uh, Rutgers, Michigan State. Uh, I mean, I had to put this one on here because of just how bonkers this game was. Okay, Jay. This game was banana land. Yeah. yeah. You're, I don't know if you caught this. Seven minutes to go in the, or sorry, in the beginning of the fourth quarter, 24-6, Michigan State was winning. Seven minutes later, seven minutes later, Rutgers is winning 27-24. Michigan State has trouble with trouble with the snap. On a punt, <laughs> you see, you see what I did there. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, Michigan State has trouble with the snap, and uh, Rutgers recovers it in the end zone for a touchdown. Uh, they kick off to Michigan State. They get a three and out. Michigan uh, Rutgers gets the ball back, goes down the field, scores. They kick off to Michigan State again. Michigan State fumbles on the kickoff. Rutgers gets the ball, scores. Now it is twenty twenty seven. 24 and then that is how this game ended um Rutgers is an improved team are they a good team no but they are very much improved the Shiano man gets another one and it's time to start talking about Rutgers going bowling it is time to start talking about uh, Rutgers being bo- they have five wins Jay yeah and they should beat Indiana but if they don't beat Indiana Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State, Maryland is a tough close to the season. It all comes. It's gonna come down. It's it's all Indiana. Yes. I, I don't anticipate. I do think. I will say, Jay, they match up better against Maryland that you think than you think. They do. I do believe they match up better against Maryland. Or sorry, than yeah, Maryland than you think because Illinois is very much the same style. And we just saw Illinois beat Maryland this week. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying there there may be a win there. There may be yeah. a win. But also I'm just saying Maryland don't, don't count win. your chickens before you hatch. <laughs> Man, Rutgers, Rutgers going bowling. Who would have who would have thought? Um yeah. let's go to let's go to the South. Alabama beats Arkansas 24-21. Um Alabama was in control of pretty much this entire game until the fourth quarter. Um, KJ Jefferson put the team on his back. And I, what is more concerning, a lot of people are talking about, oh, Alabama couldn't contain KJ Jefferson in the second half. He was having success. That should not be, if you're an Alabama fan, that should not be the issue here. Your issue should be, why did our offense stall in the second half? Offense did nothing. So, I think that is a major concern for Alabama going forward. Um, Arkansas just, man, heartbreak hogs again. Really close. KJ Jefferson's good. But, man, I don't know what this team is going to be like next year. I really don't. Yeah. No KJ Jefferson. Uh, feels like there's going to be a pretty big fall off for the hogs. And uh, I don't know that it's going to be pretty. This game, probably the most exciting game. This is probably the game of the day. This is the game yeah. of the day. Um, Washington 
uh, wins at home against Oregon. Listen, uh, Michael Penix is the real deal. This guy is great. He is, I think he's likable too. I, I love Michael Penix. And I think Michael Penix is your front runner for a Heisman Trophy. Um, he is really good. And Washington looks like the most complete team in the Pac-12. Actually, you know what? Scratch that. No, they are the best. They are the best team in the Pac-12. Top to bottom, best team in the Pac-12. Wins a close game against Oregon at home. But you look around, I think other teams have weaknesses. I don't think Washington has a glaring weakness. I really don't. Um, they have a they have a solid defense. I think their offense is very good. Um, I really like this Washington team, and I think I think Washington's going to the playoff this year. Yeah. Look, I was on Washington from the moment the yep. season started. So I uh, I am happy to see the fruits of my prediction coming to roost. Uh, I was on Penix as a possible Heisman winner. That is still very much a possibility. Uh, I'm a big fan of this Husky squad. That That's another place that I want to go see a game at, but I do feel like they are the most complete team uh, in the Pac-12, and I think they can give a lot of squads problems. Uh, I am interested to see how they finish out the year just because I think there are some challenging games still left on the schedule for them. And again, like we we've talked about it. The PAC 12 is, is a very good conference this year. Uh, they go to USC, Utah comes to them and at Oregon state and against Washington state at home, those two games are going to be interesting. Again, we've talked about it with the uh, whole conference realignment thing. Uh, Oregon state and Washington state, Washington state, maybe less so. Uh, but Oregon State in particular, I think, is going to be a tough one on the road against a team that uh, has a grudge. Uh, and that could be a lot of fun late in the season. Oh, it's it's already a, a matchup that's being circled. Okay, it is already a matchup that's being circled. Uh, Pac-12 is has the most depth as far as quality team goes, and I, and I don't think I don't think that's controversial that the Pac-12 has the most they have the most quality teams right now. Um but I don't disagree with you. No, Michael Penix, great Washington. Uh, by the way, that scene in Seattle was amazing. Uh Kirk Herbstreit even saying that hey, I do Thursday night football and uh, I I love doing Thursday night football for the NFL, but there's nothing like this. That college football is king when it comes to atmospheres. It's really great. Um, but yeah, great, great win for that football program. Um, big win over Oregon. Um, now, we tell you that game, which was amazing, to this sicko game uh, that I can't believe it's the same sport type thing. Um, Iowa edges out Wisconsin 15 to 6. Tatter Mordecai going down, not ideal for Wisconsin. Um, it looks like he broke his hand, has had surgery, had surgery on Sunday. Um, Iowa just suffocates you defensively. They have amazing special teams. Their punter was definitely a key in that game. The, the offense is so bad. And despite their offense being so bad, they, they keep winning games. They keep winning games because their defense and special teams are just that good. And if Iowa ever figured out their offense, 
if they ever figured out their offense, they would be an actual contender for a Big Ten championship. Yep. And this is not a bad team. By <laughs> the way. Like, Iowa is good. Iowa is a good football team. But the problem is they're not a great football team because of their offense. But despite that, they still win. They're going to win in different ways. They're going to play really good special teams. They're going to play really good defense. And you better not turn the ball over. Because if you start turning the ball over and give their that offense, that offense might actually score. So um, Wisconsin not looking good right now with Mordecai out. That is That is a killer, killer loss for the Badgers. And I'm going to be honest, I was going to end up being 11 and one. Yeah, I'm not, I would not be surprised by that at all. Uh, Hawkeyes look good. And I mean, I said going into this game, I didn't know if Wisconsin could score 10 points. That was the line originally. Uh, was Wisconsin minus 10? I didn't know if Wisconsin could score 10 points on this Iowa defense. And sure enough, uh, that Iowa defense and special teams was just incredible. Uh, next up, we already kind of touched on them. Uh, Oregon State is uh, got a big win against UCLA, and they look dominant. I mean, this looks like a very, very, very good team. I cannot wait to see Civil War later in the year between Oregon State and Oregon. Uh, obviously, we already talked about Oregon State and Washington, but uh, this is a this team that just does what they need to do. Uh, we wins week in and week out, and and, and I don't see uh, that changing. Uh, with with the games they have left on the schedule until they get to uh, that that game with Washington uh, second week or with the uh, uh, penultimate game of the season and then you have Oregon as the final game. Uh, very fun team and I, I'm looking forward to keeping up with them the rest of the way. I love this team, man. Beaver Fever. I had it last year. I still have it. This is a very good football team. Um, Listen, Arizona's going to be tough. Um, Arizona's definitely going to be tough. Uh, then I, I think they beat Colorado. They beat Stanford. And then you have Washington and Oregon to end the year. And the thing is with Oregon State, they gotta, they're got they going to have a giant chip on their shoulder because those are the two teams that are leaving them in the dust. Um, I, But, yeah, like Civil War, Civil War is going to be must-watch college football. Um, Oregon State here, really ground and pound UCLA. Uh, UCLA – Hung around, but it was never truly in this football game. Um, Jonathan Smith's squad at Oregon State and Corvallis just playing great complimentary football. Um, I, like I really like this team. This is a fun team to watch. Fun unit, like everything about this team is fun. They have a fun mascot. They have they play Smash Mouth football. They make they make big plays. They have a cool stadium. They have a cool fan base. Cool uniforms. Cool colors. Cool mascot. Cool turnover uh, uh, chainsaw. This is just this is a fun team to watch and a fun team to kind of ban- like jump on their bandwagon a little bit. Uh, really like Oregon State. Yeah, uh, and then the technically still the leader because they haven't lost a conference game uh, of the Pac-12. USC. Uh, we we talked that they might get exposed against Notre Dame. Uh, I think that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, Notre Dame just dominated this game. Uh, it's the first real challenge defensively that USC has faced, and 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 they failed. Uh, Caleb Williams obviously has a poor performance. Uh, I think part of that is is putting a whole pretty much the whole game on his shoulders. I mean, it, it's tough, but uh, yeah, I mean Notre Dame. I'm 
we knew they were a good team and and they come away with a with a big win against uh USC and uh for USC I think that's kind of a heartbreaking loss cuz I don't know that USC beats either of the uh the teams from the north well I guess there's no divisions now but like they have Washington and Oregon both on their schedule I don't know that they beat either of those teams no. and they also get a game against Utah who has just dominated in the last 2 years I don't know about this year just because Utah doesn't have the offense, but uh, it, it's – I wonder if USC might be in the season with three losses. They, they very well can because their defense is not good. And here's the other thing. Their offense, um, Caleb Williams, I think maybe playing a little too much hero ball. Um, but also you got to take give credit to Al Golden, um, Notre Dame's defensive coordinator. He was awesome. Um Caleb Williams, three interceptions. Jay, here's a stat for you. Four of Notre Dame's touchdowns, okay, came off of 64 yards from scrimmage because of interceptions and special teams. 64 yards on four touchdowns. That is basically you are handing Notre Dame's offense, which isn't like Notre Dame has a good offense, but they're not like a pop, they're not a juggernaut. And if you're going to give them short field, they're going to take advantage of it, and that's what they did. Um, again, blows out Notre Dame, blows out the Trojans, forty-eight twenty. Um, Caleb Williams was rough; he was very, very rough. I'm interested to see how he back uh, bounces back from this. And listen, if there are a couple teams with two losses, Notre Dame with one loss, there's a chance they might sneak into the playoff with only one. So, well, Notre Dame has two; they have Ohio State and Louisville. Oh shoot! I forgot. Yeah, they lost last week. Duh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Sorry, I forgot because Louisville. Um, we don't talk about. It. We're, we're. I don't think we're going to talk about it. But no, we, we might, didn't we, talk about that. We might. Well, <coughs> can we? Can we talk about Louisville since we made a comment? Uh we might as well. Jay, what did I say, man? I said I, it was a trap game. It was. It was one hundred percent. They had that big win. Uh, Pitt started Christian Veyer. Which, um, you know, Penn State backup, um, you know, I'm just saying Penn State backup might say Pittsburgh season. You know, just saying. But um, the Nardog, stubborn, all year. Not going to start Veyer, not going to start Veyer, not going to start Veyer. Finally starts Veyer. Offense looks a lot better. Almost like he should have done that after the West Virginia game. But anyway, Pitt, I think, found their quarterback. Um, and you know, good for him. I, I Christian Veyer, great, great kid. Um, I wish him nothing but the best. But just saying, Jay, I told everyone put money on put money on Pitt. I wasn't going to because I couldn't get myself to do that. So, but yeah, so Pitt, Pitt beats Louisville. Um, we're gonna stick in the ACC. North Carolina dominates Miami. Walker finally gets to play. Um, and listen, this is forty-one thirty-one. This score, that score was not close. That makes it look closer than what it was. Um, Miami, towards the end of the game, gets two touchdowns in exchange for two North Carolina field goals. Um, North Carolina has a three-headed monster here with Drake May, Walker, and Hampton at running back. This is this North Carolina team might be for real. Yeah, it's a it's a fun team to watch and. Uh... You know, I think uh, North Carolina, Florida State, and the ACC championship game is going to be a lot of fun. 
Uh, I know I'm already calling my shot a little bit early there, but that's how I see it playing out. Uh, like you said, I mean, offensively, it's just a, a monster team. Uh, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, you know, Miami, credit to them for not quitting, but it, it just felt like North Carolina dominated this whole game. Uh, yeah. And and honestly, this is this is an exciting ACC as well. I mean, there's still there's still a few of the teams in there that can can be a problem. Duke is still pretty good. Uh, you know, obviously Louisville su- suffers a setback, but if they're good enough to beat Notre Dame, it's a good team. Uh, so there's somebody to keep an eye on as well. Uh, and then team we haven't even been talking about in Clemson, right? Like we kind of wrote Clemson off after mm-hmm. uh, their start to the season. I think uh, I think they could surprise some people as well. Uh, so a lot of football left to be played in that conference, and 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 I'm kind of excited to see how everything shakes out. How about Virginia Tech, two and one in conference? Yeah, there we go, Brent Pry. Just, just quietly, uh, quietly edging along there. Uh, it feels like they've gotten better as the season's gone on. Yeah, I'm very happy for Brent Pry. I love Brent Pry. Um, good for them. Um, hopefully they can kind of keep that momentum and Virginia tech just trying to get to a bowl game, just trying to get to that bowl game in the ACC. Um, but yeah, Miami, uh, uh, just one note before we move on super undisciplined, man, super undisciplined, not playing good defense in the secondary. There were a couple things where I'm like, that is, they were, they were just not fundamentally sound in the secondary, like jumping for balls, like high pointing balls, letting the receiver get away from them, not staying in phase. Um, just a lot of head scratching things coming out from the Miami secondary. Um, so look, some scores from other games, uh, games that, you know, when we do this, this is games that, um, we don't necessarily watch, but just kind of see some highlights and stuff. So Oklahoma state beats Kansas. Are the pokes figuring it out right now? I, I don't know. I think the pokes are just uh, kind of a, a week-to-week deal where we don't know what they're going to do. Uh, <laughs> I, honestly, I'm just I'm not trusting anything Oklahoma State puts out there. But I think they got I mean, West Virginia te- next. Technically, they're two and one in conference. So yeah. I mean, who knows? Hopefully, West Virginia gets right and and beats them this upcoming week. Um, Mizzou beats Kentucky. Oh, here's the SEC switch, everybody, which Mizzou deserves to be ranked. I don't want to take this away from Mizzou. Uh, Mizzou beats Kentucky. Kentucky will be out of the top 25, and then Mizzou will be back in. This was a switcheroo type of game. Um, listen, Missouri's defense is good, man. This is a good team. This is a, this is a solid football team in Mizzou. Kentucky can, can still – Kentucky can still have a good year, but – uh, I think Mizzou kind of manhandled them a little bit. Yeah, listen, you called it. So uh, pat your back a little bit because uh, I, I, me and Pablo both laughed. Uh, we were wrong. We were um, we were very wrong. We, we we talked about this next one a little bit. Uh, October Maryland has arrived, I think. Um, and again, this is the, these are the teams that Maryland has problems with. Teams that are smash mouth football, gonna punch you in the face. Not that they're they're soft or anything. It's just that that's not where their strengths are. Their strengths are. Uh, they're the edge and they have athletes and they're not very deep, but they have those athletes and Illinois just seemed like they just grounded pounded. Up. Um, so Illinois um, kind of brings Maryland back down to earth. Brett Bielema gets another win for Illinois. Illinois still just having a, just not a, not a good year, very disappointing year, but they get one back. 
Um, Florida in South Carolina in a high-scoring affair, a barn burner, if you will. Uh, Jay, Graham Graham Mertz looked good. Yeah, uh, I think part of that has to do with how bad South Carolina's offense or defense is. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, good performance. Uh, I almost feel bad for Spencer Rattler at this point because I feel like he's actually playing pretty well. Uh, Just feels like there's not much going on around him. Uh, But, yeah, South Carolina in in a little bit of trouble after that because – Things don't get too much easier. They get Mizzou this week. Uh, they go at Mizzou, at AM, uh, an out of conference game with Jacksonville State, who's really not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that Risky. could be a uh, an unfun matchup uh, for, for, the, for the Gamecocks. It's Gamecocks versus Gamecocks, funnily enough. I was going to say Cox versus Cox. Yeah. So uh, South Carolina could be in trouble. But uh, yeah, Florida. Obviously, Grammar Ritz looked better than he has in a while. Uh, Kansas State getting back on the win column. Uh, they kind of needed that after the loss to, to Oklahoma State. Uh, this is still a team that can give a lot of people in the Big 12 problems. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I, this is a get-right game. I think Texas Tech was trying to look like they were trying to maybe like try and save their season too because they had a lot of expectation coming into this year, and they're – Again, not taking advantage of opportunities. Uh, Kansas State definitely gets right. This this looked like a totally different team, and um, I think a win that that Kansas State team desperately needed. Um, Jay, let's move to the Mountain Best, man. Air Force Wyoming. I mean, this was just a fantastic game, and we knew it would be real smash mouth football. Uh, gets a little bit higher scoring than we expected, but uh, I mean, this was probably the two best teams in the conference playing. Uh, to showcase their dominance, and, and Air Force comes out on top. But I thought it was a really competitive game. I had a lot of fun watching this one. Air Force is looking like maybe best group of five team right now. I think I'm still leaning towards Tulane. I know Tulane has the loss to Ole Miss, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Air Force definitely has a case for it. They definitely look good. And this, again, I know Air Force last year, um, I think they went 9-3 and three in the regular season. And – I think I was a little disappointed they lost the game early because I thought they were going to be a lot better. But I think they're winning games this year like I thought they would last year. Yeah. Like their Air Force is looking really good. Always good when one of these service academies is good. But yeah, Air Force, big win over Wyoming. We're going to stay in the Mountain West. Colorado State beats Boise State for the first time. And it's on a Hail Mary from the 50. I mean. So that doesn't tell the full story. Yeah. Yeah. Did you did you catch this one? I didn't. This is a condensed game type thing. But uh, Colorado State yeah. scored twenty one points in the last four minutes of the game. Oh man the the last four minutes of the game, Colorado State scores twenty one points, which is absolutely ridiculous. Obviously, you get the hail mary as well, but uh, this thing was nuts. They, I mean. They get the first touchdown with four minutes and one second to go. Uh, then they get another one with a minute 53. Then they force a three and out. Have the faith in their defense to force a three and out, get the ball back, and hit the Hail Mary. And, I mean, what what a win for this program. Maybe, uh, you know, I, I've kind of talked about Colorado State as a program that was due for a turnaround. Mm-hmm. You have to wonder if maybe they're getting there because you have the – obviously you have the close loss against Colorado. Right earlier this year, but 
uh, a loss to Washington State, which I don't think is necessarily a bad loss. No. The Utah State one is the only one where I'm looking at where yeah. uh, you need to win that game. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's could be could, things could be interesting in Fort Collins. Yeah, and and again, new stadium. Uh, you know, Norvell seems to be at least having them trending in the right direction. So I do think Colorado State is a team that I think is slowly building something. I think a little slower than we thought, but definitely building something. Um, Jay, just what a day for college football! This was great. Like this, this was such a great day. It was fantastic, and I mean, we didn't even get into the FCS minute yet, and no. we'll do that now because uh, the game did not like incredible games did not stop with the FBS level. Uh, Montana and Idaho, we highlighted it as our uh, FCS game of the week, and it was a barn burner. Uh, Montana goes into the Kibbe Dome and knocks off the Vandals. Uh, Idaho has a chance at the end to tie it up; they get a touchdown, failed two point conversion with under two minutes left. And then Montana is able to, to run it out there. Uh, but it was a fantastic game. Our week eight FCS game of the week. Number three, Furman travels to number 14, Western Carolina. Western Carolina is a team that has kind of surprised some people this, uh, this year. Uh, but they look really good up there and, in, in, uh, in the mountains of Appalachia, uh, they're in, uh, they're up there as well. Uh, in Western Carolina, that should be a fun matchup. That's your uh, FCS minute. Wonderful. I think no, nope, still over. But we'll take it. Damn. <laughs> That's okay. The more the more content, the better. Um. All right. Let's get into our week eight preview here. We're gonna start this one off with Sun Belt Championship um, implications here. James Madison at Marshall. Marshall is a three and a half point dog at home. Marshall is coming off a bad loss to uh, Georgia, Georgia State. I don't know. I feel like James Madison should be favored by more here. I think I think this is Marshall. I would take Marshall to cover. Yeah, here's my thing. James Madison uh, should be allowed to play in the postseason, and I think mm-hmm. it's a travesty that they aren't. Uh, so just I'm frustrated with that. Uh, also, Georgia State, pretty pretty good this year. Uh, actually, uh, the the Panthers are having a, a pretty good season. They had uh, a big win over over UConn, so I don't necessarily fault Marshall for that loss. Uh, but I just think James Madison's a better team. I'm thinking James Madison to cover. Yeah, and you know, I guess I I should have said that James Madison can't go to the Sun Belt Championship. Um, I understand why the rule is in place, but I think we are at a place in. Sus- like in college football where no one would do that. I don't think no one would jump up just to put their eggs in one basket without being put down or without thinking about being put down. But yeah, I, I think I'm going to, I think I'm lean. I think I'm leaning Marshall here. Um, Next we have uh, Tennessee at Alabama third Saturday in October action. Um, This line Alabama is a nine-point home favorite, and Jay, I'm taking the Crimson Tide. I'm taking the Crimson Tide to cover. Everyone's going to be putting money on Tennessee. Everybody. Everyone's going to be putting money on Tennessee. Tennessee just beat Texas A&M. Alabama just struggled with Arkansas. No, don't do it. 
Alabama's going to win this game. They're going to have blood in their eyes from what those Vols did last year. Give me Crimson Tide to cover the nine. Yeah, Alabama revenge game for sure. Uh, I like Alabama to cover as well. Uh, Oklahoma State at West Virginia. We talked about it a little bit. West Virginia is a minus three and a half point favorite. Uh, I like the Mountaineers. Honestly, uh, I just think Oklahoma State's struggled on the on the road all year. Uh, you know, they've gotten a couple good wins at home, but those have been at home. Now they have to travel to a different time zone. Uh, and West Virginia fans are probably still going to be a little more excited than they than they have been in years past just because there's a little bit more hope around that program right now. Uh, I like West Virginia minus three and a half. I like West Virginia minus three and a half, too. I, I, 330 game, I think. I anticipate. I know they lost last week, which is tough. But I think with a four and two record, I think those fans are still going to show up and are still going to um, be put a hostile environment for Oklahoma State. So I like West Virginia here. I like West Virginia to cover and to get back on the right track. Um, Utah at USC. Um, this one opened at a. Minus three for USC. I'm just double checking to make sure it is still there. Jay, what are you thinking? Uh, I mean, look, I I just don't trust this game just because I don't trust the Utah offense, but I also don't trust USC's offense against the actually competent defense. Uh, again, Utah beat USC twice last year and just out physical them the whole way. Uh, I'm staying away from this game. I hate I hate to do this. I think USC crushes them. And USC crushes them because Cam Rising. Uh, do we know anything about Cam Rising if he's coming back? I don't think he'll be back, uh, at least not for this game. Um, Utah's offense is just bad, man. Utah's offense is just bad. I think USC wins this game. I think they win by a lot. I, I really like USC to to win big here. Um, ACC Duke at Florida State. Florida State is a fourteen point favorite. Wow, look at this line. Um, fourteen points. That's a lot. I'm staying away, Jay. I am staying away because that line is huge. And man, I want to take that cheese so bad with Duke, but I think it's that. I think that's a bad move. Here's the thing. Uh, Riley Leonard out hurts Duke a lot, but Mm -hmm. this Duke blue devils defense, the most points they've allowed all season was a 21 against Notre Dame. That makes me think it'll be a low scoring game and, and low scoring enough where a 14 points, Spread is a little bit too rich for my blood. Uh, I like Duke plus 14. Yeah. um, I want to say they're going to keep it close. I just think defensively. Yeah. I'm staying away. Not touching it. Not touching it at all. Um, So, yes, I I know this game is at noon, but I'm putting it at the end. Um, this is one of the most important games for Penn state in the last, probably since 2017, maybe 2019. Um, this, there hasn't been a bigger game for Penn state in, in 
a couple years. People are saying this might be the most important game in James Franklin's tenure. I think that is false. I think the Big Ten Championship was. Um, This is probably the most important regular season game James Franklin has, has had because it seems like you have finally ha- you finally have a complete team you finally have the depth to compete with Ohio State and now you have to beat them um and again that's not going to be easy uh, Ohio State is a four and a half point favorite it is in Columbus man I know Penn State can win this football game I know they can they have played Ohio State tougher over the last six years, seven years, than anybody else has. And that includes Michigan, by the way. I know Michigan beat them twice, but those other games are blowouts. Yes, Ohio State has been on the positive side for the majority of the last how many meetings, with Penn State only winning one during the James Franklin era. However, this is the first time Franklin has the depth to actually compete. The key to this game is Penn State's offense versus Ohio State's defense. This is going to be a low-scoring game. I think Penn State's defense will be able to hold Ohio State's offense, and here's, here's why. Ohio State's tackles are a weak spot. That's Penn State's strength. Penn State is, has three sets of edge rushers. Not three edge rushers, three deep, meaning they have six dudes who can get after the quarterback. Um, Ohio State is also struggling a little bit in their inside run game because of the injuries of Trayvon Henderson. Um, I, again, uh, Abuka is also, uh, he was seen in a boot. I imagine he'll be ready to go, but... The big thing here is Ohio State's defense against Penn State's offense. Can Penn State's offense finally break through? I think if Penn State can score, I think 20, I want to say 24. I think if Penn State can score 24, I think they win. I firmly believe that. I like the under in this game, Jay. I like the under. I believe the under is set at 47 and a half. I like the under there. I'm just going to double check this really quick. Hang on. Yeah, 47. Over-under is 47. I like the under. Um, And I like Penn State plus four and a half. Jay, I think this is it, man. I, I think Penn State has them. I really do. Um, <laughs> I think I, – I told you beforehand, man. I am – it's it's this obsession. It's um, uh, It's sick. Uh, I know a lot of other college football fans have the same feelings as me for their team, but you know, it, it's Tuesday, man. And I'm, I'm already just obsessing over this game because I know the ramifications that are surrounding James Franklin in this game. If James Franklin loses to Ohio state again, there is going to be an angry mob that is going to be screaming that 10 wins is no longer enough. For this program top 10 just being top 10 is no longer enough um which i i understand i don't agree but i understand um if he wins he finally gets over the hill and he adds another big win to his resume 
which for people who say he doesn't have any big wins, he has big wins. His kryptonite is not being beating Ohio State consistently. And now I know some people say, well, he can't beat Michigan either. Listen, he's he's uh, three and three against Michigan in the last six. Penn State is six and six versus Michigan in the last 12. Michigan is is doing very well right now in a powerhouse. But Ohio State has always been Penn State's uh, kryptonite with James Franklin. And I think they finally get it done because they're going to be able to sustain drives, not worry about the big plays. Because, again, them, there's a lot of argument about Penn State doesn't have big plays. They don't have the breakout plays. Well, guess what? They're going to meticulously drive the field. And I think that's what was missing a lot of those years against Ohio State, especially when the game is on the line. So I think if Penn State has a lead, I think they'll finally be able to run this out and actually you know, control the game on the ground. And I like the Nittany Lions here. I like Nittany Lions plus four and a half. I like the under, um, under 47. And if you're frisky, take the money line plus six to 162. There you go. I love the confidence here. Uh, I'm going to stay away from that game and just kind of let you have it. <laughs> but uh, it should be a fun one. It's, it's definitely one of the games I'm most excited about watching on Saturday. Where do you, where are you leaning, Jay? You're 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 very you're neutral in this. My gut tells me Penn State. My rhythm betting model tells me Ohio State. Oh, rhythm saying Ohio State. My my model that I built on rhythm is saying Ohio State minus four and a half. Oof. Oof. Your and your rhythm model has been pretty good, right? Yeah, that's uh, how I had one heck of a week last week. <laughs> that makes me very nervous. Um. Okay. I feel like the dwarves <laughs> and the Hobbit. I've read the portents, and the portents say, "Now is the time." <laughs> Penn State. I'm going Penn State. Fuck it. <laughs> no, go with your. Hey, go with your rhythm. Go with the rhythm. I just. I, I, I know, dude. We need. I need this so bad. This program needs. It. Like again, for a program that has won a bunch of major bowl games and has won you know, games at night and primetime games. This is just one it needs um, because being a top 10, consistently top 10 team, being a top 10 more times than not, um, you know, 99% of football programs would love that. Um, but when you share a division with two teams that are, have been in the playoffs the last two years, um, you're stuck in their shadow, no matter how good you, you are so Penn State needs this one like how Penn State needed that Ohio State win to get out of the darkness of the sanctions Penn State needs this one to take the next step from being again James Franklin's words from being a great football program and a great football team to being a part of the elite because I know and you know Jay the rest of the country does not respect Penn State I they do. they think they're good. They think they're a good team, but they do not think of them as a consistent top 10 team like they are. And I think Penn State needs this win to really change kind of the national narrative around it. Um, it it's that it's that next step and and winning against Ohio State would be that next step. Absolutely. Um so there are the picks this week. Now Jay, it is send Jay away week. So Jay 
tell the folks listening where you're going. Yeah, so the second annual edition of Send Jay Away. Last year, the folks of the internet sent me to West Virginia. I got to watch West Virginia play Baylor, win that game. Fantastic experience. This year, I am going to South Dakota School of the Mines and Technology in Rapid City, South Dakota, uh, Division Two of the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference. I am pumped about this one. If you haven't seen O'Hara Stadium, it is a very unique environment. Uh, the one side of the sta- stands is actually uh, ramps uh, where they have cars park, and uh, that way you can tailgate at the game. Honking your car on third down is encouraged, but I- I'm pumped about this. I'm pumped that last month uh, for the Sinjay Way uh, fundraiser, we raised over $11,000 for food banks uh, around the country, which is awesome. Uh, man, I just can't wait. Uh, this is going to be I'm, – I'm, taking off tomorrow so i'm taking off tuesday uh it'll i'll break up the trip that way i'm not trying to kill myself driving uh but it's about 19 hours i think from houston to rapid city uh i am i'm pumped to be driving up there to to take on uh some south dakota mines hard rocker football baby it's going to be a good time wait hard is that their nickname the hard rockers they are the hard rockers is there is their logo like guns and roses no, no, no! It's like a like a miner, like you're mining I, from hard rock. I figured, but when I hear hard rockers, I think <laughs> I'm like, I think, is oh it, yeah, is it a silhouette of Angus Young from ACDC? Uh, <laughs> like, that's what I, <laughs> that's what I think of. Um, dude, it's gonna be sweet, man. And that's it, that is a school that has, I think, really come to a little bit of viral fame just from the last two years of those pictures from. Like the cars. Our buddy Mike went up there. Yeah, Mike went up there. Like it's um, by the way, Mike, campus store. Speak, speaking of Mike, Mike, dude, Mike, I feel like is getting to another level of of internet fame. Oh yeah, he's getting he's getting stopped by people now. So which I don't think was his uh, plan because you couldn't see his face for a while. But those um those obstructed view view uh pictures are are real funny I, we got to get mike back on here we got to next yeah next sure. year we got we next year we got to get mike back on um but so jay uh w- when are you heading out heading out tomorrow uh and it'll be a it'll be a trip there's some stops that i have along the way uh that i'll kind of I'll, I'll do a little free write up on barbecue bets and beats tomorrow just to let people know my schedule, but uh, mm-hmm. it's going to be a heck of a trip going solo. So it's just going to be me rolling That's up you. there. Just me. Uh, so I'll, I'll probably need some assistance from the, from the South Dakota mines faithful uh, and people who have attended a game there, but uh, I can't wait. Dude, it is going to be absolutely sweet guys. We have a wonderful slate of football. This upcoming week, it's very, very sad though, Jay, because you know the season's half over. Not, not to be a Debbie Downer, but the season is half over. But we have some great football coming this weekend, it guys. Always goes by too fast. It always goes by too fast. Um, remember to make sure you uh, tell a friend, leave a like, leave a comment, no matter uh, where you're listening. Leave a like and a comment. Um, tell a friend about it sponsors yeah oh yeah if you know any sponsors uh please we lost our 
one sponsor for the FCS minute. So we need a sponsor for that. Um, so if you want to get in contact with us, make sure you shoot us a DM, but from us at the get back coach, have a great week.